0: Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians
1: here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals.
0: We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients. Transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice,
1: strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and,
0: most importantly, enjoy the process. Yesterday, when I was leaving my parking garage, somebody left a post it note on my mirror that said, I hope you're really skinny. Because you parked really close to my car. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my god, you think I'm skinny? (laughs) But I have this whole theory about people who have road rage and get all petty over stupid stuff like that. Do you want to hear it? Tell me more. I think they're on a low-carb diet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm convinced that that anybody that gives you the middle finger when you're driving or who has road rage, they need carbohydrates and they didn't eat breakfast or something because that's just... I mean, who, why would you be so cranky about that kind of stuff? What would make somebody get into their car, pull out a post-it note pad? First of all, who
1: keeps post-it notes in their car? Like, did they have to go into their house and then get a post-it note and bring it back out to you?
0: Well, they could have spent that time eating something to get their <laughs> blood sugars back up and not being so cranky. But that's, I only say that because we're talking about the ketogenic diet today, which is the king of low-carb diets. Yeah, Because it's like No carbs. Yeah,
1: it is no carbs, but people don't know that yeah. because so many people tell me that they're on a ketogenic diet and they're not actually following a ketogenic diet. It mm-hmm. drives me absolutely
0: insane. And that's something that we're really going to talk about today because the ketogenic diet, when we say it's low carb, we mean it's no carbohydrate. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to eat less than 5 to 10% of your total intake from carbohydrate. So people think they're following it because it's trendy or they're eating all of these keto-branded type food products, but they're not actually in ketosis, and therefore they're not on a full-blown effective ketogenic diet, and they just have really low blood sugars and are leaving angry notes on my window.
1: I think that people just equate a low-carb diet now with a ketogenic Mm. diet. Ketogenic diet means that your body is in ketosis which is your body not utilizing carbs for energy but utilizing ketones for energy. It is very hard to get your body into ketosis and for it to stay in ketosis. In order for you to do that, you need to get at least 80% of your calories from fat. In order to do that, that means your protein intake needs to be somewhere between 10 and 15% of your calorie intake. And so if you're buying a ketogenic protein bar, that is a misnomer. There's no such thing as a ketogenic protein bar. So if you're eating baked chicken breast, that's not okay on a ketogenic diet. A ketogenic diet, the only thing you have room for is extremely fatty meats. Mm -hmm. You cannot eat turkey breast or chicken breast or lean ground beef that does not belong on a true ketogenic diet. On a low-carb diet, sure. True ketogenic, no.
0: I think a lot of people don't understand how nutrients are processed in the body so a ketone is the skeleton of a fat molecule essentially so your body's burning pure fat but it doesn't want to burn fat when there is glucose or carbohydrate in your system so it's really easy like you said to get knocked out of ketosis if you either a eat too much pure carbohydrate whether it's from too many berries or the trace amount of carbohydrates in almonds Or if you're eating too much protein because your body can actually take protein and turn it into a glucose molecule in the absence of adequate glucose so if you're eating too much protein then essentially you could be eating too many glucose or you could be having too much glucose in your system
1: right so your body is not going to and when people say like oh my body's using fat for fuel it's using fat that you're eating, that doesn't necessarily mean it's just going to burn all of the fat off of your body. Mm-hmm. So people think, okay, if I don't eat carbohydrates, all the fat on my body is just going to burn off. And that's not necessarily what's going to happen.
0: In a perfect world, maybe, but that's <laughs> not what happens. So we've talked about the ketogenic a little bit on here. And before we even started this podcast, Megan, I like how you were telling me, you're like, nobody even does the ketogenic diet for real anymore. And it's so 2014, which is true. It's not as trendy, but I still have clients who ask me almost just kind of like, I feel like they're just trying to verify with me, like, and I shouldn't be doing the keto, right? Like I have, you know, somebody from my office, he's doing keto. Like I shouldn't be doing that, right?
1: I think it's because of all the products that are out there now. I think back in the day in like the 2013, 2014, where it did become super popular in the like life hacker realm of people there weren't really any keto products out there to help you now there's all these keto products out there but they're not necessarily ketogenic so something that's ketogenic if you look at it it needs to have 80 percent of its calories coming from fat and i see these products have 13 grams of carbohydrate in them That's not possible, unless that's all the carbohydrate that you're eating in a day. You probably need 50 grams or less, I would say probably less, less to stay in ketosis. So if you're eating a bar with 13 grams of carbohydrate in it, it's not supporting a ketogenic diet.
0: And then we'll hear the argument. Well, what about net carbohydrate? So stupid. Yeah, yeah. so stupid. That's that's just a marketing <laughs> ploy, especially in the context of what you're talking about, where it's going to also have protein that's also more than ten or fifteen percent of the total calories. <clears throat> so don't put all your your eggs in the. Oh well, it's got only two grams of net carbohydrate doesn't matter
1: because it's a buzzword people will put it on the front of a package and so if you look at a cereal it says ketogenic cereal you might buy it because you think oh ketogenic equals healthy equals me losing weight so i'll buy this cereal product and not really look at the numbers behind that product.
0: That's so funny that you bring that up because literally yesterday I was on a call with a client and we were going through her food journal and she was doing the same thing with a cereal, but it was labeled protein cereal. Mm -hmm. And whenever there's anything that's trendy in the food and diet industry, you better believe that big marketing companies and big food industry companies are gonna take advantage of that and slap that unregulated term on their label. Keto is not regulated. In this case, my client was eating a protein cereal Protein's not regulated. Yeah, this cereal had maybe two or three grams more protein than an average cereal compared to a different serving size. First of all, the serving size was more than a usual cereal. But then it also had a ton of added sugar and not very healthy ingredients. So just because it had a little extra protein in it didn't make it a healthy cereal. Just because something has keto on it doesn't make it ketogenic and it doesn't make it a better option. Call it out. What was this cereal? It was the kashi protein honey and almond cereal Mm -hmm. yeah and so it definitely was a better cereal compared to lucky charms you Mm -hmm. know nutrient wise Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a healthy cereal and having that with just a banana and almond milk for breakfast isn't very complete Mm -hmm. and it's only got nine grams of protein per like three-fourths a cup okay got it
1: all right so ketogenic diet life cycle of -hmm. a ketogenic diet I generally don't see anybody who does it for more than three months, and they're not even doing real keto, but besides the point, past three months, so they get good results from it. They're like, yeah, I did really good when I was doing the keto diet. And I'm like, oh, okay, why aren't you doing it now?
0: <laughs> because I want to you go out my with my office? friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why
1: are you in my office? If that worked, why are you here?
0: Mic drop right there. <laughs> well, it's so true, and you and I have had this conversation. There seems to be a specific archetype of human that, Does well on the ketogenic diet for even that long. And the things I look for in anybody where I can predict their length or rate of success are going to be the following one, usually males. I feel like males Mm -hmm. just tend to do better. I don't have many females who come in here and really thrive on a ketogenic diet, even if they're following it for a long time. I think I have one exception, and that was a very unique situation. Uh, The second thing would be somebody who just doesn't really care about food. They have never been a big foodie. They don't care about flavor that much. They've kind of just always eaten just to eat. And they put on some weight or they have some kind of business goal where they think they can have better mental clarity if they go on the ketogenic diet. Food's never been that important to them. It's always an afterthought. So they don't really miss out on all of the flavor experiences of eating third thing is they're usually single. They don't have to worry about other people in the household or maybe they have a partner who eats independently from them anyway or doesn't care about eating independently. But I don't see a lot of family guys you know, enjoying a ketogenic diet while their kids are eating normally. And then the fourth thing would be somebody who doesn't really care about going out and being social or going out to eat because having a beer with your buddies or going out for pizza night and wings is going to throw you out of ketosis. Yep, exactly. Any other things that you seem that you've seen make somebody really successful on keto? Um,
1: they, all the people that I can think about who've done it for longer than six months are people like you described, mm-hmm. but again, they're not doing it now. So if they were doing it in 2013, they're not doing it now. So even the people who were the huge proponents of the ketogenic diet back then they're not talking about it anymore because they're not doing it anymore because they realize there's more to life than only
0: eating Mm -hmm. fat every single day. I had one client who he did the ketogenic diet after finding out he had diabetes and wanting to lose a significant amount of weight. Mm -hmm. And this guy was such an exception to the rule from my experience because he was so meticulous with every single thing he ate that even when he lost weight and got his blood sugars down after following the ketogenic diet, to get him back into a normal diet, he went through what I would consider mental torture. And I mean, I, I can't say it was worth it or not worth it, but he was so afraid to eat something else that could potentially get his blood sugar up. He was so paranoid. He was so scared to eat half of a green apple and we had to really gradually work carbohydrates back into his diet and he was trying to build muscle because he started lifting and working out and he was really suffering from being on a ketogenic diet because that's not the optimal way of eating for putting on muscle mass but he was so paranoid and scared and fearful of eating a quote-unquote normal balanced diet that included carbohydrates took us a long time to get him out of that ketosis mindset Mm And he is doing well because he was so meticulous about it, but I would never suggest that path for anyone because it was really hard on him. It made him paranoid. I think it really impacted his quality of life, but he did fit that phenotype I just described of single male. He, you know, worked for a church, so he wasn't out there drinking and partying or anything or eating. He he was just kind of a a loner, I guess you could say. Mm Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was like the one exception and he's still, I mean, he only did the ketogenic diet until it solved the problem for Mm -hmm. him and he made a huge lifestyle change because now he's really careful about food in general and eats healthy and exercises. Yeah. So
1: I think, you know, we've been really nitpicky about these people who say they're following a ketogenic diet and bringing them back down to earth and telling them they're not actually following a ketogenic diet just because they're doing low carb. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, I think there is an upside because they're not eating bullshit like hot dog buns and white rice and donuts and going through a drive-thru and getting fries and things like that.
0: Wendy's breakfast?
1: (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So any kind of diet that gives you some parameters where you're cutting bullshit out of your life, whether it's Whole30 or Paleo or Keto or anything that makes you pay more attention, is going to bring you awareness. It's going to make you think about what you're eating and you're probably going to be a bit healthier for doing that. Now, the other side of the ketogenic diet is when people take that and they say, okay, so anything that's high in fat is on the table, so I'm going to live off of pork rinds, butter, and bacon. Mm. Because that happens, right? Because you're looking for foods that are super high in fat, and those are some palatable foods that are high in fat. And so because we've taken all the enjoyment out of your life by taking (laughs) away carbs, what else are you going to eat? And so I think the downside to that is making you believe that certain things are healthy so you're packing your coffee full of whole milk you're adding mct oil and butter and you're thinking okay like this is good for me and you're drinking a 1200 calorie coffee
0: Mm -mm -mm. i just had a thought who decided to make pork rinds a thing anyway if that's the most pleasurable thing in your diet you really have to take a, a look at what you're eating if that's the only thing that gives you any crunch because literally every food on the ketogenic diet It's not crunchy. Yeah, it's soft and Mm -hmm. mushy. And part of the eating experience that I think people kind of forget about is that mental satiation. So if you're not crunching on something, there's not a variety of texture, that food isn't as satiating anyway, which is just another reason why the ketogenic diet is not very sustainable because you're so limited. But the pleasurable experience of eating just starts to go away it might be fun at first because you're like "Ooh, now I get to eat this cheeseburger patty with my pork rinds which is the only crunchy thing I can think of maybe like unsweetened coconut I don't know gross but that's the only thing that you get and then after a while that loses its novelty and it's going to be really really hard to stick to that because you're not getting any variety in your food
1: One of my clients sent me an Instagram video and he said, Megan, you need to go after this guy. And I watched the video and there was a guy, he had a block of cheese, like one of those big blocks of cheese that you get at Publix, and he put it between two seedy crackers and was like, This is the most delicious. It's crunchy. It's got fat. It's like satisfying. And he ate this huge (laughs) block of cheese between these two seeded crackers. And I thought he was making fun of the ketogenic diet. I was like, oh, that's funny. Ha, ha, ha. And so I went to his profile. He was being dead serious. He was not being sarcastic in the least bit. So it's like, okay, guys, don't take the common sense out of eating. I'm sure you could look at that and be like, that's probably not the best thing. (laughs) A huge block of cheese between two seedy crackers. So don't discount your common sense. Like, you're probably right if you're thinking that probably isn't good for me.
0: Can I say something kind of gross? (laughs) I want to know what his digestion is like. You know what I mean? Like, how do you eat that, a whole block of cheese, and (laughs) and feel okay? That's because, you know, I just can't... When I eat a high-fiber diet and my digestion is normal, I feel really good. If I don't shit for over 24 hours, I don't feel as good.
1: Sure. And there is... Because you're carrying a bunch of shit around
0: Yeah, (laughs) right? I'm just a pile of shit. (laughs) 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 And... Sorry. Anyway, I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you've got kids in the car, but it's true. It's like, you know, you need those things to move food through your system. And if it's just hanging out in you, how do you feel good? Like, I get cranky... And there is so little fiber in a ketogenic diet. I mean, you can get it from some macadamia nuts if you're really careful with your portion or again, like unsweetened coconut. But I can't think of many other good fiber sources on a ketogenic diet.
1: Greens. They say you can eat greens. But in terms of nuts, so that's something where a lot of people think they can eat as many nuts as they want on the ketogenic diet because nuts have fat in them. Well, nuts also have protein and nuts also have carbohydrate, and that adds up quickly and can mm-hmm. kick you out of ketosis.
0: So, you can just munch on nuts all day. You have yep. to be mindful about the type of nut because every nut's going to be a little bit different, and you got to portion control it and make sure you're eating it with your fat. Yep. Man, that's so much thinking. I want to go back to the point that you made about how when you go from eating bullshit, aka the standard American diet, and then you eat in a new way, you're going to notice a difference. And if you go from eating A crappy diet you're gonna feel better and I think Mm -hmm. that's the same like you were saying with like Whole30 or paleo and people experience this phenomenon where they go from eating a certain way to another and they feel better and people want to share things with others they want to be like hey like this worked for me like you should try it and it's all really good intentioned And then I think people's egos kind of get wound up in this like, okay, well, now that I'm promoting veganism or keto diets or whatever it might be, they kind of just get attached to the idea of this diet. And so as soon as things maybe don't feel as good or don't work out the way they should, I think sometimes people can't quite let go Mm -hmm. of this new identity because they've built a brand around it or they've built their whole personality around it, sadly. And so people don't tell you as often as maybe they should what happens after that honeymoon phase with that new diet's over. Oh, you did keto for three months and all these things happened, but then you started to feel sluggish and tired and you were having cravings and binge eating and trying to hide it and falling in and out of ketosis and having mood swings and regaining weight. People don't want to talk about that because they have an ego and that's only human.
1: Right, which is exactly why you and I do these experiments, so we can talk to our clients about what it's actually like without that bias of trying to sell them something. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you and I did the ketotarian diet, which was a (laughs) ketogenic diet paired with being a vegetarian as well, um, we were able to kind of go through that experience, but then also talk about what happens afterwards without trying to sell you the book. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I guess both of our, and both of our experiences, wasn't true ketogenic, like neither of us got into ketosis doing it. I mean, we cleaned up our diets in terms of like we couldn't eat cake or cookies or candy or anything like that, but it also wasn't realistic for me to eat that way. Hey, Megan here, the co-host of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. So in our private practice, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and high achievers, and I recognize that many of the traits that made them successful in business were actually detrimental to their health. So I wrote a book about it. In my book, The Optimized Life, I pinpoint six different personality traits that hold you back from reaching your health and wellness goals, as well as laying out a series of steps to overcome those obstacles and help you reach your ultimate health and wellness goals for good. Whether you're in the beginning stages of a side hustle or a seasoned entrepreneur with multiple businesses under your belt, the optimized life will provide you with the systems you need to forever change your relationship with food, diets, and exercise. But don't just take my word for it. Here's an Amazon review from a reader. I can honestly say this book has changed my life. First off, everyone who knows me knows I don't read books often and I had a hard time putting this down. I actually finished the book. I have tried every fad diet there is and I've struggled with weight loss my entire life. I can finally say I found a sustainable and healthy way of living and I'm no longer dieting. The education this book provides is all backed with research and knowledge and is really an eye-opener to a lot of things. I've never been a morning person and for the first time in my life, I have not needed an alarm clock and have been up before 7am for almost a month straight. Who am I? The entire book, I kept thinking, is she speaking directly to me? It's so relatable and easy to read. I love that I feel so confident and no longer have to worry about quitting my diet or falling off the wagon because this is my new way of life. I worked with Megan before reading the book and all of her knowledge and this book helped me to lose 60 pounds." The 60 pounds is an awesome accomplishment, but my favorite part is that I don't have a bad relationship with food anymore. I'm still working on myself, but for the first time, I'm listening to my body and fueling it like it deserves. 10 out of 10 recommend this book to anyone, not only people trying to lose weight, but anyone who wants a healthier life. So, don't just take my word for it. Get the book. It is available on Amazon, and it is called The Optimized Life. My salad, I'm like this is making me a crazy person, like this should not be happening. And it's because my body was trying to tell me something, but we discount that so much, the signals that our body tries to send to us because this is the new fad or this is the thing where my cousin lost a ton of weight and I should be able to do this too. Well, come to find out, I have a genetic mutation that affects the way that my body breaks down saturated fat. And so there's an actual reason why my body was sending me those signals. So if you have an inkling that this kind of a diet isn't going to work for you, you're
0: probably right. Oh yeah, you probably are right. People don't trust themselves, (laughs) but this could also be the same concept could be put in so many areas of life. I mean, think about how many times you've had a gut instinct about something and you just don't want it to believe it You don't want to believe it because maybe it goes against what your best friend's advice was. Maybe you had a gut instinct about taking a new job. Uh, Even though the money was really tempting and the digs were really cool, the hours made you cringe and you just knew it wasn't a good fit or it wasn't aligned with your your real true purpose. So when you start asking for advice, people tell you to take it because Mm -hmm. look at the money, think about the benefits, but your gut's telling you no, no, no. You take the job or you get into the relationship or you buy the the thing and it ends up backfiring and you wish that you would listen to your gut instinct the whole time same thing goes for food and diet you have a body that can tell you exactly what it needs you have intuition i don't care if you're a female or male everyone's got that gut instinct and intuition but when you start listening to a bunch of external sources, be it the media, your friends, or diet culture, it's so much easier to override that gut instinct. And then if you're doing a bunch of different diets all the time and you're going from this diet to that diet to paleo to keto to vegan, then you have all of these different diet rules conjumbled up in your head and it's so hard to separate what is true for you versus what you've tried that isn't going to work. And so Maybe somebody who had gone through a similar experience as you, Megan, but didn't have that genetic testing or maybe didn't have the same relationship with their body as you did, might feel really guilty after eating mangoes and blueberries because their old diet said that that was a bad or forbidden food. Mm -hmm. And even though their body is really appreciating it and common sense can tell us that mangoes and blueberries are extremely healthy and totally fit into a balanced diet, they might feel guilt or shame about eating something like that. And that's why we have a lot of our clients, no matter if they're tracking calories or what their goal is, we like them to journal and reflect about how food impacts them overall to rebuild and reestablish that relationship with their body.
1: Mm -hmm. reestablish those cues as we get a lot of clients who have no idea what their body is trying to tell them because they've told their body that, it was stupid and stop telling me things because I'm not going to listen to you. And so learning how to reacquaint yourself with those cues that your body is sending you is super important for us to figure out what's going to work Mm. for you for the long haul and what you can maintain.
0: It's not easy. You know, I can share a story about something that I've been going through a little bit with that too, is when I was in college, I really bought into the high protein bodybuilder type of eating because I really enjoyed weightlifting And I was like, oh, this is really exciting, like thinking about how much protein I should be eating and trying to get gains and trying to eat this certain way. Always have to have grilled chicken and always have to have meat with every diet. And then I remember when we did the, or with every meal, excuse me. I remember when we did the vegan experiment. So you had done it a few times and then I did it with you for a whole month. We ate vegan, totally vegan, so no animal-based products. I was so anxious about that because I was like, my body needs meat. Like, my it body needs, needs so much protein.
1: Yeah. And it needs I remember, 120 grams a day. Yeah. Oh
0: my God, 120 grams a day would have been peanuts for what I was following. I was like, <laughs> every pound per body, or every. I was trying to eat a gram per pound of body weight. Oh my God, I would have yeah. slapped you if you told me that. Oh, yeah. No. I, I'm, and by the way, guys, like, I at the time in college, I'm 5'8", 160 pounds. So I was trying to eat 160 grams of protein. And, like, granted, I looked lean, but it was because I was eating a caloric deficit, like, and lifting a lot of weights. But that aside, I was so nervous. And I think I remember telling you this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, it's going to be really hard. And I remember getting stressed out. Like, okay, like, got to be eating all this vegan protein. And then when I did it, I was like definitely not meeting even close to the protein goal I'd had back in college. And I wasn't eating like that before that anyway. But I was eating way less protein than normal, tons of fiber, and I felt really freaking good. Mm -hmm. I was hungrier than usual, but I was eating such low caloric foods because I wasn't eating as much fatty protein, I guess you could say, or dairy that it was easy to just eat more. And I felt so good. And I'm like, okay, this kind of debunked some of those old diet rules that had just been subconsciously ingrained in me. And from that experience, I learned a bunch of things. And now I eat plant-based meals more often Mm -hmm. without fear about it. But I know at the same time I prefer a balanced diet because I don't like feeling mentally restricted. So there's a lot of value in trying a different pattern of eating as long as you're going in it with a more experimental mindset of like, oh, how is this going to impact me? How do I really feel? And you're able to kind of let go of some of those things that used to be true for you and may not be true for you anymore.
1: Right. And I, I don't want people to think that we try these diets thinking that it's going to be something that we prescribe to people because that's not why we do it. We do it to see what can we learn mm-hmm. from this experience because we are going to have clients that come in that are vegan. and We are going to have clients that are come coming in up right off of doing paleo for a couple months. And so we just want to understand where they're coming from and be able to share our personal experiences with them as well. It's not so we can prescribe one of these diets.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I find that I don't think I've ever had a client, with the exception of that one that I was just talking about with the, the ketogenic diet, who's ever told me how much they loved following a specific cookie-cutter diet. I don't think I've had anyone that ever said, like, I loved doing XYZ. Maybe no. You know, I never had anyone who's like, no, at least that, that, I mean, maybe it's because we see, like, people who need help. And they come in for that, Mm -hmm. but I don't know, I get like sick pleasure from seeing people get results from eating a balanced diet. It's kind of like a, not like I told you so thing, but like, see, like, see, you get to eat whatever you want. As long as you're doing it mindfully and in alignment with your goals, you don't have to follow anything extreme. Yeah. It's interesting how
1: I'm kind of thinking about it now and it's like every diet seems to have a shelf life. Mm -hmm. So I think about Whole30 and the shelf life of Whole30 is usually one month. And once... That one month is up, people kind of loosen the reins a little bit and then they fall off the wagon. And maybe they'll go back to it and try and do it for another 30 days, but then they usually don't stick it out for that second 30 days. Maybe they'll do it for two weeks or something like that and they'll kind of fall off the wagon again. That was my experience 100%. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and but I hear these stories all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, yeah, like that's what I've heard from the previous client who did that. And with the ketogenic diet, it seems to be about a month to to three months with most people. And if you're really hardcore, six months. I don't really see anyone go past the six-month mark.
0: I get the appeal of diets like that, like keto and Whole30, because humans, we like routine and we like rules and we like black and white. We want someone to tell us this is allowed, this is not allowed, this is good, this is bad. And I think that kind of structure of thinking really works in a lot of areas of life for people, maybe with really mathematical people, people who like numbers, who like a right answer, who like an equation, or people who are extremely, I don't know, just very logical or perfectionist. Black and white. Yeah, that's just what they want. And when when that type of thinking really works in their favor in other areas of life, They get really frustrated with themselves and confused when it doesn't work with food and diet Mm -hmm. because biology is not black and white. It is literally a creative art, I guess, if you will. The body is just insane and we don't know so much. And when we try to control it, like we try to control other things in our life, it backfires and people get really frustrated and they just keep trying the same kind of approach just wrapped up in a different ribbon. Every single diet's a different way of following structure And feeling like you have control or feeling like you have the answer, the magic pill, if you will. But the story always ends up the same, where you fall off of the diet because those rules are just not sustainable. And when you fall off the diet, people feel bad about themselves and they go to another extreme and then they try another diet. It's just like this horrible cycle. And I think I know that I see this and I I wonder if you do too. A lot of our clients are going to be really perfectionist type people, people who are high achievers, who want to do everything right. And they're high achievers in lots of areas in their life, business, parenthood, school, work. But this is like the one thing that they just have to loosen up on. And that's really hard for them to do.
1: And they like to take on challenges and doing something like a ketogenic diet that is super restrictive it's a big challenge and totally. so you get excited about that challenge especially if you're one of those high achieving people if I put something that's hard in front of you you're going to want to tackle it and it's very tempting to do that with the way that you
0: eat mm. as well and I think you and I are kind of like that I think <clears throat> you're a little bit more of like a challenge seeker than I am would you agree maybe I don't know I, I I like a challenge I
1: like a yeah. Good challenge
0: yeah you do and what we have to do is uh, for our challenge for people is to find a way to challenge them in a healthier way. So it's like, how do we challenge you to change your behavior around food instead of challenging you to restrict a bunch of things and put a bunch of rules on yourself? So how can we challenge you to get up off your couch after dinner and go outside for a walk? Because that's challenging for some people. Or how do we challenge you to get in the kitchen and learn new culinary skills so that you can cook food and enjoy the process instead of relying on convenience foods? It's a challenge, it's just not as black and white.
1: And I think people are surprised because when we have clients, especially like I have clients that come in, they're like, okay, I'm going to stop eating fast food. I need to drink two gallons of water every day. I'm going to start working out with my trainer. Can you come over and clean out my pantry? And they're just telling me all these things that they want to do. And I'm like, hold on, man. Like, right now you're going to McDonald's every day for lunch. Like, we need to take a step back here. And they're surprised. They're like, whoa, why is my dietitian telling me it's okay if I go through the McDonald's drive through once a week? Well, it's okay because I don't see it being sustainable from you going from changing a thousand things at one time. And I know you're excited, but that's not how sustainable changes work.
0: What do you think are one, two, or three... Big sustainable changes that make a huge impact that people can implement right away. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, okay, like, I don't know, I don't know how to find middle ground. What we're saying here is pick a few things to really challenge yourself with one at a time or two or three at a time instead of going on a whole diet. Mm -hmm. But then also do things that give you results and get you momentum. So Megan, from your experience, what are a few things that you find people need to implement ASAP to start? I think number
1: one and one of the easiest things that's very black and white is every single time you eat, do you have a vegetable or a fruit? Every single time. So whether it's breakfast, lunch, a snack, whatever, is there a veggie or a fruit to go with it? And so what that means is if you're going through a drive through where's that veggie and fruit going to come from? Well, you either have to get a salad or you're going to have to get the fruit cup as your side instead of the fries so you're automatically starting to think about like well that wendy salad kind of sucks so do i really want to go through that drive-through in the first place or am i going to make a better decision and maybe make something at home or bring in my leftovers or go somewhere like a fresh kitchen or the too much sauce that's right across from us that does more of like a power bowl type mm-hmm. situation where you can add veggies to it. I think that's a super easy one. I think you can pick up fruits or vegetables anywhere along the road, just like you can a drive through
0: If anybody is a wise guy and says, what about the tomato on my burger? Turn this podcast off.
1: <laughs> no, I, I've, i like, talked about the caveats with people. Um, desserts don't count, so apple pie doesn't count. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anything fried doesn't count, so your fried zucchini, your fried mushrooms, that doesn't count. Um, if it's...
0: Oh, was, lemonade. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, orange juice. Why do I picture just like some pot dude just sitting here and being like, what about my orange juice? <laughs> yeah. No, be common sense, people. Common sense.
1: Right, exactly. I think number two is switching your simple carbs to complex carbs. So... Mm-hmm. Instead of going extreme to a no-carb diet, switch the type of carbohydrate that you're eating. So, if you're currently eating Rice Krispies, switching to the Kashi cereal that you were talking about. Like, even though it's not the best of the best thing, it's going to be better than those Rice Krispies It's going to have some complex carbohydrate in it. You don't have to cut out beans from your life. You don't have to cut out brown rice from your life. It's not the devil. It's not going to kill you. Keep the carbs in, but just choose the ones that have fiber and nutrients, which most veggies are going to have some complex carbs in them as well, uh, with the exception of things like greens. So you're getting some complex carbs there, but also fruits, all fruit, you're going to have complex carb in that
0: too. Yeah. I would throw one in there is planning, planning what you're going Mm -hmm. to eat for Mm -hmm. the week. If it's really overwhelming for you to plan breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week, I don't blame you. I think that's a lot. So just pick one meal for the work week or just plan Monday through Friday's lunches and dinners and write it down on paper and then shop for it. Because if you've got that plan, you've got the food at home, you kind of have a, a bit of an anchor and it's way easier to stick to that plan and be a little bit more disciplined and grounded from that instead of just winging it. So many people just don't have any idea what they're gonna have for dinner come Thursday, and that's when I see a lot of people start turning to fast food or convenient foods, ordering in, and then they do that Thursday through Sunday and wonder why they're not feeling better or getting any results. It's like, well, yeah, you can eat healthfully through Wednesday, that's great, but if half of your week is just up in the air, depends on where you are in your journey and what you know about nutrition, but it's a lot harder to make healthy decisions if you don't have that North Star.
1: Yep, I always tell people don't try to plan their whole week. You do a planning day on Sunday, you do a planning day on
0: Wednesday. To build off that, I would say another great thing to do is eat more at home very simple. I feel like this advice we're giving people is the stuff that like our grandparents used to do. It's like eat a fruit and veggie, eat healthy carbohydrates, eat at home, cook at home. But all of those things just make it so much easier to eat a healthful diet. And it's easier to, I guess you could say, personalize to your goals. So if you're trying to eat more fiber or you're trying to eat more of a plant-based diet, well, you're going to have more variety if you plan what you're doing at home versus if you just show up to a restaurant and you don't know what's on the menu and there's nothing that's really plant-based. Then you're more limited and more likely to just go back to your old ways.
1: Yeah. Okay, so wrapping up, ketogenic diet. I think the good stuff, you cut out some bullshit carbs. Uh, The bad stuff, you're taking complete... um, Complete, what do I want to say? Categories out of your diet that
0: probably isn't sustainable. Yeah. I would say one positive, real quick, that we didn't touch on is you do learn that fat is really satiating. So, for somebody who might be really scared of fat, maybe they're still stuck in that 80s, 90s mindset where low fat was everything. Well, eating a lot of fat really does help you realize that you don't get as hungry as quickly. Mm -hmm. So, you could take that little nugget from a ketogenic diet and put it into a positive, balanced diet where you are adding healthy fats to help you stay fuller for longer so you're not always having cravings or thinking about food. Yeah, so not being
1: scared of avocado and or only having a fourth of an avocado <gasps> or only having a teaspoon of olive oil. So. Not being afraid of those things, I think, is a good side effect of the ketogenic diet. But you don't have to do the ketogenic diet to do that. You can just make sure that you're having a healthy fat every single time you have a meal.
0: How about that? Who would (laughs) have (laughs) thought? So overall, we are not recommending anybody try the ketogenic diet we are not prescribing the ketogenic diet of course you want to talk to your doctor and if they have a different opinion that's up to them but i
1: disagree don't talk to your doctor about <laughs> nutrition i think that's a cop-out that people always say i do feel talk obligated to your doctor about this thing it's such a cop-out your doctor doesn't know <laughs> Unless they've done their homework and they've taken extra courses and they've educated themselves, they only had a couple hours of nutrition education. So ask your dietitian, don't ask your doctor.
0: <laughs> I just got schooled. But no, you're right. <laughs> don't follow we're not prescribing a ketogenic diet. We really aren't. There are so many other ways to get to whatever goal you're working towards without restricting yourself. But now we're gonna move into our next segment, Healthy or Not.
1: Do you have one or do you want me to have one?
0: Do you have one on the top of your head that you want to talk about?
1: Avocado toast. Avocado toast.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, do you want to
1: answer it first? Sure. Um, avocado toast. So, can be healthy, can also be not so healthy. So, first of all, what's your base? So, if you're picking a good base, like a sprouted grain bread, I think would be my first pick. If you can't find a sprouted grain bread, which are usually in the produce, not the produce section, but the bakery section, like the natural baked goods section of the grocery store, or in the freezer section, Dave's Killer Bread is another good brand um, that's not got a lot of crap in the bread. So pick a good bread first and foremost. Sprouted grain would be, or Ezekiel would be my top pick. Avocado, yes, of course. But what's missing from that is protein. So if you're just throwing avocado with like some tomatoes and basil and balsamic, I don't really think that's going to last you very long. So even if you're having the sprouted grain bread and you're eating two slices, it's only about 10 grams of protein. You Mm -hmm. need a little bit more than that for breakfast. So perfect thing to do is throw an egg on top. You can add some extra protein that way. I... I usually need either two slices or I need two eggs Mm -hmm. on my avocado toast for it to last me three to five hours.
0: I would agree. I would say um, if you're a vegan or if you don't eat eggs for whatever reason, if you have an allergy, You can also scramble tofu, which sounds a little weird, but you can scramble soft tofu and mix in nutritional yeast to give it that nutty yellow flavor. Mm -hmm. And you can add that on top of your toast too as a really good protein Mm -hmm. source. You could do strips of tempeh. You could even add walnuts on there, which probably wouldn't give you as much protein, but at least it's going to boost the overall nutrition content. So being plant-based or being vegan or vegetarian, still not a good reason not to have a good protein source with that breakfast.
1: Also, there's a product called called just egg oh yeah and it looks almost like mustard like a mustard container but it's it's basically like how you would use like liquid egg whites but it's a vegan product and I think it's mung bean based if I remember mm-hmm. correctly but it does have some protein yeah in it. and it tastes pretty good actually I remember being like pleasantly surprised eating that and being like oh it's not it's like kind of like scrambled eggs okay
0: Yeah, I haven't tried it yet. (laughs) I'm kind of scared of it. I don't know, something out of a tube. I don't like things out of tubes. What would you say about somebody putting just like a bunch of hemp seeds on top? I think that would give you a little extra protein, but I don't see that as being a lot. I've seen a lot of people do that online.
1: Well, I think this kind of goes back to what we preach is you have to figure out what's going to work best for yeah. you. So if you have one slice of toast with half of an avocado and some hemp seeds on top and you notice you're hungry in two hours, mm-hmm. there's probably something missing from that. And my guess would be the lowest thing would be the protein. And so we have to figure out a way to boost your protein to get that meal to last you with three to five hours until your next meal.
0: Have you seen some of the Gen Z's are eating ricotta toast? Since millennials claimed avocado toast, now the younger folk are eating ricotta toast. I
1: mean, how many people in the world are lactose intolerant? Ricotta is hard to digest. Mm -hmm. It's one of those softer cheeses. (laughs) It's higher in lactose. So for me, I'm not on board.
0: I would eat it. (laughs) I think it looks good. I don't think I'd eat it for breakfast. For me, it seems more like um like something I'd eat with dinner.
1: Also, ricotta doesn't have a lot of flavor. They're putting like balsamic
0: and I've seen a lot of people put wild honey on it, which is probably not the best healthiest thing. That would know? be delicious.
1: I can see that, like, a balsamic or honey or something mm-hmm. like that. I can see that being delicious. But, again, like, where's that the protein? And when you're replacing – ricotta isn't a good replacement for avocado. Avocado's got fiber. It's super high in potassium mm-hmm. and other vitamins and minerals. And it's super high in healthy fats as well, whereas – cheese has got some healthy fats, but it's also pretty high in saturated fat too. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a good substitute in
0: terms of mm-hmm. nutrition. No, to me, that's more like a decadent like Sunday brunch type of yeah, thing. Yeah, agreed. One thing I like to do with toast is to take that sprouted grain toast, put a thin layer of nut butter on it, and then put plain Greek yogurt and fruit on top. Oh, I love that too. It's the best. Yeah. It's the
1: best. I mix my yogurt with the peanut butter and then throw that mm. on the toast and then put fruit.
0: Boom. We'll see, I find that if you put the peanut butter layer on first, it kind of acts as a barrier, and it keeps your bread from getting too soggy (laughs) if you don't over-toast it. And I like mine medium toasted. So you guys experiment. Let us know which one you like better. But overall, we're saying if you build avocado or any kind of toast with healthy ingredients and you keep it balanced with protein, healthy fats, and fiber, it's healthy. If you're using white bread and you're not putting a lot of protein on there, you could do better.
1: And I've got a I've gotta say one thing that really bothered me. I think the trend is over, but do you remember when people were doing sweet potato toast?
0: Oh my god. They yeah. were
1: they were cutting sweet potato in little strips and then putting it in the toaster and toasting it and then putting <sighs> avocado and different toppings on it
0: no no i tried that not. i had to toast that freaking piece of 100 times, potato. A hundred it times.
1: before it's actually soft first of all and a sweet potato is not toast
0: it's not toast <laughs> <laughs> stop trying to make a it toast it's not going to happen okay I <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of the nutrition awareness podcast, and if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with
1: you. To get notified about the next episode of nutrition awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so
0: you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel
1: up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.